It's time to set out on the pathway to healing and light. This is The Inner Life on Relevant Radio. If you have questions or concerns about your faith journey, if you are struggling or searching for something more, if you are in need of some spiritual direction, our Catholic priests are here to help. One heart at a time. Welcome to The Inner Life on Relevant Radio. Welcome to The Inner Life here on Relevant Radio. Happy that you're, you've joined us today as we devote the next hour to getting and sharing the strength, courage, and inspiration we need to take the next few steps in our journey of faith. And this is all done with the help of our excellent spiritual directors. My name is Patrick Conley, sitting in for Josh Raymond today. I host a weekly show called Practicing Catholic that's aired on Relevant Radio in the Archdiocese of St. Paul in Minneapolis, 1330 a.m. If you'd like to check it out, Links to podcasted interviews, archived shows, and social media can be found at practicingcatholicshow.com. Well, I'm sure I don't have to tell our astute Catholic listeners that this weekend is a pretty important one for the Church. Well, yes, every weekend is an important one, but this one stands out. You know why? Need a hint? Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. That's right. It's the birthday of the Church. It's Pentecost. And may I be the first to remind you to wear red to Mass this weekend? Pentecost. Yep, that's our topic here on The Inner Life today. We're going to be exploring Mary, Pentecost, and the gifts of the Holy Spirit, setting us all up well to get a lot of and give a lot into the celebration of Pentecost this Sunday. Now, our spiritual director for today is a man who needs no introduction to anyone who listens regularly to Relevant Radio, and for those of you familiar with him, you know we're in for a treat. A retired priest of the Archdiocese of Chicago, host of a very popular program here on Relevant Radio that airs Monday to Friday at 1 p.m. Central, none other than Reverend Know-It-All Father Richard Simon. Father Simon, thanks for being our spiritual director today. Welcome. Well, it's an honor. I'm happy to do it, but... I don't know if the show is so popular as people might listen just to see when it goes off the rails. My former deacon said it was like a NASCAR race. There was going to be a crash. You just didn't know when. So at any rate. Well, Very good. Very so, good. Uh, oi, I love it. Yeah. So, <laughs> it's going to be a good hour, Father. I can feel it already. I hope huh? so. I yeah. hope so. Absolutely. All right. Well, let's get into let's get into Pentecost a little bit. So, give us a little background, Father. What exactly is Pentecost, and why is it so important? Well, I had an interesting question yesterday. Uh, somebody called in and said, uh, "Is Passover the only feast that is both an Old Testament and a New Testament feast?" Mm. And I said, "No, no, no, no. All the great Jewish feasts are recapitulated in the New Testament in one way or another." Uh, and Pentecost is no exception. Uh, the the um, Pentecost was a Jewish feast, and the word means fifty days. Uh, in in Hebrew, it was uh, Shavuos, the feast of weeks. In other words, seven seven weeks, uh, a week of weeks. And I always mess this up, but I'll get close. Uh, that you, the law was given on Yom Kippur the Day of Atonement, but it was received on Pentecost. Hmm. I may be wrong about that. It depends which rabbi you talk to, I think. But but the, the, it was about the giving and receiving of the law. The law was received on Pentecost. And I don't know if, if people notice, um, but the, pen, the disciples received the Holy Spirit on Easter Sunday. 
and you received the, the Holy Spirit in baptism. So what was Pentecost about? What's confirmation about? Uh, the, the, the disciples received the indwelling Holy Spirit on, on, uh, on Easter. And Jesus said, who sins you forgive are forgiven. And the indwelling Spirit, the sanctifying grace of God. Uh, but then on, he, they were going out to the mountain on Holy Thursday and... Uh, uh, they said, will you restore the kingdom now? And it's kind of interesting because 40 days, when you see 40 in the Bible, it's always about a test. Hmm. And how could the 40 days after the resurrection be a test? Jesus appeared to them. It, it was a test, they, and they, which they failed. Peter said, are you going to restore the kingdom now? In other words, are we going to get the good government jobs now? And <laughs> Jesus said, go back into the city and wait, and you will be clothed with power from on high. Um, so what they received on Pentecost was the power of the Holy Spirit and and the outward manifestation, as St. Paul calls the, the, the so-called charisms, but he calls them the outward manifestation of the Holy Spirit. So they received the Holy Spirit on, Pente on Easter. Christ lived in them by means of his breath, his Holy Spirit. But then on Pentecost, they received the outward manifestation. And that's why the Catholic Church was born. You can't be a secret Catholic. Hmm. You can you can keep it quiet for a bit so that you don't get smacked on the head. But when push comes to shove and this, are you a Christian, a believer in Christ? you got to say, yes, and I'm a member of his universal, his Catholic Church. Mm -hmm. So that power spread the church through the world, made it universal. Um, that is in Greek Catholic. There. How's that? Nice. Nice. Very good. Well, this is just kind of a personal uh, questioning. Now, I led off with this at the top of the show that we typically celebrate Pentecost as the birthday of the church, quote unquote. Mm -hmm. um, but uh, there's also uh, there's some ancient writers, ancient Christian writers um, that would they would talk about the church being born out of the side of Christ on the cross. And uh, mm -hmm. just mm -hmm. just curious, what would you say to that, Father? What's the, what's the true birthday of the church? I would remind people that they were alive for nine months before they were born. Right, yeah. Mm -hmm. So the fathers of the church who talked about the church being born out of the blood and water from the side of Christ, they're talking about the conception of the church in a certain sense on Holy Thursday, mm -hmm. Good Friday, around the Eucharist, the 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 uh, the church, the the, the 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 you know I the word church is always kind of a it's a tough word because we don't understand it. You know, the word, when we think of the church, we think of the guys like me in little plastic collars and black shirts who go to meetings and, and, uh, and worry about, about, uh, you know, things like toilet paper in the ladies room and is the insurance paid up? That's not the church. The word yeah. church in Greek are two words, two Greek words, which come to us as church. One is ecclesia, which means the assembly, which always sounds kind of nice because when you're in school, the assembly means you have to go here, talk in the hall, and you don't have to take the math quiz. Mm -hmm. That's not what assembly was. The assembly, the ecclesia, means those who are called out. They were the voting citizens of any city. And if you didn't attend the ecclesia, it was a gathering. If you didn't attend the ecclesia, you were fined. And if you repeatedly didn't attend it you lost your rights as a citizen the closest word we have in english to ecclesia is jury duty hmm. and when we think of the church we think of a building or an organization or old men in in plastic collars like myself uh that's not that's not the church those are functions and 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 um tools of the church but the church is that that 
assembly of people who are ordered by the king to assemble. So that's the church. Mm-hmm. So when was that born? It was conceived at the Last Supper because the Eucharist is the place where the assembly assembles. And, and on, on, on Calvary, remember that was one day. It's almost like a Greek tragedy. Uh, evening to evening is one day, Thursday. Uh, Good Friday started on Thursday night. And, uh, um, you know, whether there's a scholar saying, oh, Jesus was at a good Holy Thursday would have been on uh, Tuesday. Uh, Whether it was or not, in the scriptures, it's clear it's the night before his crucifixion. Mm -hmm. And in the mass, on the night before he was betrayed. And the Jews started the day at sundown. So the Last Supper and Calvary were all in the same 24-hour period, the same day, as far as a Jew was concerned. And that was that was one moment, and that was where the church was conceived. Mm. Uh, mm. And then it was born. It was manifested. You see, that's the idea, that, that, that I'm conceived, I have life, I'm living in my mother, mm. hidden. But then when I'm born, I'm manifested to the world. So again, the same thing, on uh, the church was conceived and then manifested. So yeah, that's an good. odd approach to it, isn't it? Yeah, well, I, I like it. Father Richard Simon is our spiritual director today here on The Inner Life. I've asked him my Pentecost question. Now, what's your Pentecost question? Do you uh, have a question about Pentecost? Or is there some way in which you're speaking a special uh, a special endowment of the Holy Spirit in your life? Was there a time when you really knew that the Holy Spirit was working in and through you? What was that like? Give us a call. Join the conversation. 888-914-9149 is our number here in the inner life. 888-914-9149. Or you can always send us an email, innerlife at relevantradio.com. Well, Father, um, the catechism in paragraph 1076, it describes Pentecost like this. It says, the gift of the Spirit ushers in a new era in the dispensation of the mystery, the age of the church. During which church, excuse me, during which Christ manifests, makes present, and communicates His work of salvation through the liturgy of His church until He comes. So, um, what's so significant? I mean, I think you were just getting at this, um, but what's so significant about specifically the liturgy being the most uh, the the place where Christ predominantly comes to us? Well. Because that's where he's in his fullness, for one thing. Mm. I mean, he, we believe, and Scripture teaches, and Jesus said, um, I'll be with you at all times until the end of the world. And he is present, body, blood, soul, and divinity, in the Eucharist. Mm. We are together with Christ in the fullest possible way. In the liturgy, Jesus is made manifest uh, he said at the Last Supper, he who has seen me uh, has seen the Father. And if I'm lifted up, I will draw all men to me. That doesn't happen outside Mass. I mean, I can feel the presence of the Lord, and I can communicate with the Lord in prayer, and I can hear in a certain degree from the Lord, but I can't see him. All of my senses can perceive the Lord, and we are physical beings that the Lord is most fully present in the holy sacrifice of the Mass. Mm. And so when we come together with the Lord, he's made manifest, he's made visible, you know, that that that, that which 
is normally impossible to see. When I look at that little round white thing that looks to all the world like a piece of bread, I see Jesus, and so do you. Whether we experience it or not, you know, whether we're visionaries or not, and I certainly am not a visionary, I'm looking at Jesus physically present. So the fullness of, of assembly with our king, you know, the assembly comes together with the ruler. Our assembly with the ruler is mass. That's why it's made most fully manifest in the liturgy. Um, there are times when the liturgy is, now this is going to sound awful, not appropriate. Uh, the, the, um, you know, I remember when I was a boy, you never said mass except on a Sunday morning in church. I mean, there were weekday masses, but, but the Sunday obligation was fulfilled by a Sunday morning mass in a church. But then we kind of decided we needed to have more masses and it got to the point where we're dedicating new sod in the children's playground. We want to have a mass out there. Mm. I mean, that's ridiculous. Mm. You know, and we, we've, we've gotten to the point where mass is just something we do. Instead of uh, uh, the gathering of the saints with 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 the King of the Universe, um, mm. and, and so uh, I think you know, and we don't prepare for Mass, so we don't experience the fullness that we're supposed to experience, because we we make the Mass often something something, there's a fancy word here, banal, something cheap, and and that I think is is a problem, but but the fullness of Mass, the fullness of of being one with Christ is in the Mass. So it's just some thoughts. Yeah. All right. Very good. So that was on the role of the Holy Spirit in ushering in the age of the Church, uh, wherein, again, Christ makes manifest himself. Uh, he manifests himself most significantly in the liturgy. But yeah, then, of you course— you can't have the liturgy without the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit right. makes Christ present. Yeah. 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 Okay. Yep. I, I get that. Now, so— um, let's let's add to that when the assembly then gathers, the church militant gathers. What's the role of the Holy Spirit uh, in our lives? I mean, the Holy Spirit makes Christ present. What's the Holy Spirit in our? What's the role of the Holy Spirit in our lives? Well, the word spirit means breath. That's exactly what it means. Pneuma. It means wind or breath, but isn't to have the wind knocked out of you. Hmm. It means breath, and you can't live. <laughs> uh, without breath. But another thing you can't do is you can't speak without breath. I mean, you can write, you can ha make hand signs, but the normal means of speaking is breath. And the, 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 you know, the, the, the best way we can, we can describe God is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. But there are other ways to describe God. You can describe God as speaker, the word spoken, and the breath that speaks it. Uh, that that Jesus is is God's ultimate statement about Himself, is the Father speaks, speaks Christ, and how does He do it by breathing? I mean that that's the symbol, and and uh, if you if you don't have a relationship with the Holy Spirit, you can't hear God. There's a there's a gospel song, a beautiful gospel song by Andre Crouch. Uh, we need a word from you. You know, if we don't hear from you, what can we do? You know, we have all these meetings and all these committees and all these gatherings. And, you know, if you go to a parish meeting and, and they say, well, I think this and I think we should do that. And I think we should put a dome on the church. And I think we shouldn't put it. You know, nobody asks, what is what is what does God think? Hmm. If you if you said that, if you said, what what does God say about it? They'd look at you like you made, you made an unpleasant noise. You know, how do we know what God said? I mean, what are we, prophets? Are you supposed to be? 
you know, that, that to be aware of the Holy Spirit, to be aware of the breath of God. I, yeah, I don't know if it's a good theological definition, but I think it's a good practical definition that the Holy Spirit is the sensed presence of God. Hmm. The Holy Spirit causes the sense presence of God is a better way to put it. I've known Protestants who come into a Catholic church and get out quickly because they say there's somebody in there. It's kind of creepy. Yeah, it's the Lord made present by the Holy Spirit. So, so this, this, this speaking of God should be the operative reality in the church. Well, I like the old mass. I like the new mass. Who cares what you like? What is the Holy Spirit saying? You know, whether I'm bishop, priest, usher, layman, I need I need to seek God on these important issues that face the church today, uh, because we we have no problem expressing our own opinion. I remember saying to a woman who came up to me at a meeting, said, Father, you want to know what I think? And I said, no, I don't. If you have any idea what God is thinking, I'd love to hear that. And she mm. just looked at me like I was nuts, which probably <laughs> I was. So, Very yeah, good. the speaking of God, the Holy uh, Spirit speaks in our private and individual lives and in the life of the church. It's just that we don't listen. Yeah, amen to that. Our spiritual director today here on The Inner Life is Father Richard Simon, and we are talking about Pentecost. If you have had a significant experience of Pentecost, a significant experience of the Holy Spirit, or even if it's perhaps not so significant, but you are relying on the Holy Spirit each and every day as the breath uh, that we that sustains us, maintains us each and every day, give us a call, join the conversation, and uh, we would love to have you join us here on The Inner Life, 888-914-9149, again, 888-914-9149. We're going to take a short break, but we'll be back right after this. Stay with us. We receive over a million prayer requests every year, thanks in part to the Catholic Order of Foresters studio line, helping us stay connected to your intentions. Learn how our sponsor can support your family with life insurance at relevantradio.com slash forester, an Illinois life insurance society not available in all states. Holy Pentecost today with our spiritual director, Father Richard Simon. My name is Patrick Conley. And hey, just a reminder, as you may have heard during that break from Father Rocky, that this is the last week you can get his new free book, The Memorary Moment. You know, our our world really does desperately need Mary's help right now. So join us today at relevantradio.com slash moment with this new free book to learn more about the prayer, the Memorary Prayer, and why praying it right now, it actually can change history. All right. Act now. Final copies are yep, moving fast, so sign up today. Relevantradio.com slash moment. Well, as I said, we are talking with our spiritual director, Father Richard Simon, about Mary, the gifts of the Holy Spirit, and Pentecost specifically. Father, uh, Jeanette is calling in. She's got a question for us, so I think we'll go to the phones. Uh, yeah, okay. Jeanette. Yeah. Jeanette, welcome to The Inner Life. You're calling in from Naperville, Illinois. Thank you. Uh, yeah, very good. Welcome, Jeanette. Yes. 
Can you hear me now? Oh, yep. yes. Hello? Okay. Hello. The reason why I'm calling <laughs> is I, I've always wondered, um, when I talk about Pentecost, that the Holy Spirit descended upon the Twelve Apostles, and it says that 3,000 people were baptized, I don't know if it said that day, but in a rather short period of time, and it seemed to me, my question is, were other disciples also, did they also receive the Holy Spirit? Because it seems impossible for 12 people to baptize so many people in such a short time. Very interesting. Very interesting, because if you look in the, um, uh, in the, um, well, anywhere you can look, look in Wikipedia, uh, the, there, you'll read about the 72 apostles. <laughs> there were 12 of them. No, there were, I, I, I grind this axe constantly, there were lots and lots of apostles because the, the word apostle means a delegated missionary. Um, and and um, there were lots of them. Uh, that's how Paul could be called an apostle. He wasn't one of the 12. All of the 12 were apostles. But not all of the apostles were members of the twelve. At least that's the traditional thing. Uh, the the um, uh, reasonably, I think that's a very good point. And you know, very interesting. The geography of Jerusalem uh, is kind of important in this because where would there be enough water <laughs> to do all this? Well. There are two possibilities. The traditional site of Pentecost is the upper room, which is in the southwest corner of Jerusalem, and then other people would put it in the southeast corner of of, uh, what is today the old city of Jerusalem, just outside the temple, Uh, because there were also, in both places, there were ritual baths. But I I would go with the southwest corner, the traditional place of Pentecost, because that was where the Essenes had their their baths. They bathed constantly. And uh, they were that was the Essene quarter. And early Christianity, I think, was probably vaguely associated with the Essenes. It wasn't the, uh, a development of the Essene movement, but it was, you know, kind of fellow travelers. So it's reasonable to think, I think you're right, that uh, um, um, there probably were quite a few people um, in, involved in this. Does that help a little? Well, it certainly does. I mean, I... Um, I just assume that it, either it's either the Bible meant that over the certain period of time, um, or as you said, there were more than just twelve. Uh, thank you very much. I appreciate yeah. it. Well, thank you. It, it says on the day of Pentecost they were all together in one place. <laughs> it doesn't say who they were. <laughs> you know, they were all together in one place. Uh, so I think I think that's a. Um, an important dimension of it. That's Acts uh, to one. It doesn't say who they all were, and I think you have a good point. So thanks for calling in. Yeah, thank you, Jeanette. Really appreciate the call and good question. If you have a question about Pentecost and would like to ask our spiritual director today, Father Richard Simon, uh, do give us a call, 888-914-9149. Again, 888-914-9149. Well, one of the people that uh, Luke does mention in in Acts there is Mary herself. Yeah? Yes. So we yes, know that she's mother. present. Yeah, at at Pentecost. So, what's uh, what was her role after Pentecost, Father? I think her role. You know, I, I have I have another harebrained theory. I don't know if you've heard me <laughs> say this. 
the Immaculate Conception was not just about preparing a perfect humanity for Jesus, I believe. Now take this with a grain of salt, please. This is just me. Uh, the Father could have prepared an, uh, a perfect humanity for Jesus without making his mother uh, perfect. I mean, he made our Blessed Mother's humanity perfect, and St. Anna, her mother, didn't have a perfect humanity. So why did, why did Mary have to have a perfect humanity? Because there was a time in history when there was only one person in the church. Our Blessed Mother prefigures the church because she was the first to accept Jesus into her life. She was faithful to him at the foot of the cross, and she was there at Pentecost. She's the first of Christians, and the church has to be holy. The church's members are not so holy, at least this one isn't. But we can count on one perfectly holy member of the church, our Blessed Mother, who said yes to her Immaculate Conception. And I maintain Adam and Eve were conceived immaculately, albeit in the mind of God, but they, they said no to their immaculate conception. Everything's ought to be great to have immaculate conception. You wouldn't have a tendency to sin. She was the mother of sorrows. The, the immaculate conception was this huge responsibility, I suspect. Hmm. Uh, so, so she was that very paradigm of the church. And what's the church's job? Well, the church's job is to offer sacrifice, which she did. She, she like all of us, have you ever thought of our Blessed Mother's First Communion? This is another harebrained theory. I think our Blessed Mother was the first person to perceive that Jesus was the body, uh, was present body, blood, soul, and divinity in the Eucharist. Who knows a son if not a mother? That's just my theory. Uh, there's no real evidence for it, but I, 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 I think that. But so she, she was, she was, uh, she, she was the congregation. And everybody thinks, well, why can't women be ordained? Well, the Blessed Mother wasn't ordained. She had the important role. She was the assembly. She was the congregation. That's one thing. But the other thing that the Blessed Mother did, which the church must do, she remembered. She treasured these things in her heart. And, you know, we live in an age which thinks if it isn't new, it's no good. And we constantly want to have the new this and the new that. And, uh, you know... The Lord said, the good steward brings out the old and the new. She treasured these things in her heart. And important part of the life of the church is to remember. Because the church is not simply, the universal church isn't just universal in the world. It doesn't cover the whole planet only. It covers all of the history of the whole planet. Mm -hmm. I'm part of an assembly that includes St. Peter and St. Paul and, and St. Bonaventure and St. Saint, uh, Catherine of Siena and, and the whole lit litany of saints. Mm -hmm. So yeah. the job of the church is not to forget who she is, who she was, how she lived, how she lives now. So the Blessed Mother received Christ. She shared him with the world. She participated in the sacrifice of Calvary in a unique way, and she remembers. That's, that's I think, her role after Pentecost. The disciples went and, and, and kind of said, well, what was this, dear mother? What was that like, dear mother? Hmm. Uh, you know, that they could go to her as a source of knowledge about Christ. Hmm. Yeah. Well, it, it, that leads me to... Uh a question about her reception of the Holy Spirit. Now, of course, you know, she received the Holy Spirit. We can certainly see that taking place at the Annunciation as well. Sure. But she was there present on the day of mm -hmm. Pentecost. So any, and I, I realize the, the text from the scriptures doesn't actually speak to this directly, but um, any thoughts from your end, Father? Was her reception of the Holy Spirit on Pentecost any different than 
the apostles or the others that were there present? What do you no, think? I don't think so. Okay. I, I, I don't think so. Remember, the apostles had already received the Holy Spirit on Easter. Right. The Blessed Mother received the Holy Spirit in the moment of her conception. Hmm. So uh, I would think that, you know, if, if her if her divine son was like us in all things but sin, she too was like us in all things but sin. The different, the different uh, thing is I have to put up with pain. I have to put up with difficulty. She chose to do it out of love for her son and, and obedience to the father. Hmm. So I, I'm sure that she, you know, that, you know, the blessed mother, when she says in, in the Magnificat, he's looked on the lowliness of his handmaid. That's a fascinating phrase. Because what it really means, he's looked on the unimportance of his slave. I think what, if we could meet the blessed mother by getting in a time machine, we would be astonished by her humility. Hmm. You know, Elizabeth said, why is it that the mother of my Lord has come to me? And and Mary would have said, "Because you're my you're my cousin, you know." <laughs> that, that our blessed mother, I think she must have been among the humblest and most practical, and kindest of women. Um, you know that she never kind of capitalized on her position. I suspect she didn't say, "I'm in charge of this," because you know there's a group of people in the scriptures called the brothers of the Lord, and the early church talks about them. They really thought they were important. They were Jesus' relatives. And uh, they really would come to town and say, well, what's for dinner, you know? And I, 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 the Blessed Mother does not seem to have traveled with them. She lived with John, the evangelist, it seems, it seems from the scriptures. Mm. So I think she was very humble. Mm. Wonderful. We are talking about Pentecost, and specifically Mary in Pentecost. We, we've just been talking about her, and uh, we'll also be talking about the gifts of the Spirit as well. If you have a question about any of these things, if you have a specific story to tell about the role of Pentecost, the role of the Holy Spirit in your own life of faith, give us a call. Join the conversation, 888-914-9149. Again, 888-914-9149. Let's take a call. Uh, we've got Mary, who's been waiting patiently. She's calling in from Illinois. Mary, welcome to The Inner Life. Hi, thank you for taking my call. Um, you know, I just have a question for Father. Um, I I have this um, I have this sort of um, I don't know, this um, habit of I, I suffer from depression and like kind of a severe darkness. And but I'm I'm mm -hmm. like a daily communicant, you know, weekly confession, prayer, the whole bit. So it's not like I'm far from the Lord, but I suffer from this thing, and one of the things that I do to keep myself up is to exercise, and so I go, um, I take bike rides, and oftentimes when I'm out biking through the forest reserve, I ask our Lord, I'm like, please just show me, just have a deer show up to just, for consolation, you know, in nature. And often, I would say, honestly, like 60% of the time, you know, it happens and it it, it, it works. I mean, it happens. And I, and then I'm kind of like, oh, you know what, that that wasn't really, that that's, you know, yeah, I saw a deer. And then, you know, it's like one of these things where our Lord said, you know, I'm not going to send you any more signs because you've already had enough signs and you don't believe the signs that send you. So anyway... So yesterday it happened again where, you know, I was like, it was just like super challenging. And I'm like, listen, Lord, please. And then I was begging his, mom, his our lady. I was like, please, please send me a deer. And, 
And, you know, because it's also a very peaceful thing. And wouldn't you know, a few, you know, paces ahead of me, then there's one kind of right off to the side, sitting, you know, standing there eating. And so I sat my bike and I just spent time with it. And and then again, you know, I'm kind of like, oh, well, you know, that's just a coincidence and da, da, da. And I, I just want your thoughts on stuff like, you know, that kind of, just your thoughts on that situation. I'm going to make a recommendation to you. Uh, have you ever read the screw tape letters? I have. By C.S. Lewis. I have. I would the rec yes, the recommendation just... the recommendation I would make to you is listen to them on YouTube as read by John Cleese. I recommend this constantly. If you listen, if you go to your your uh, your web browser and put in John Cleese screw tape letters one YouTube, it will come up. It is for free. And he deals with these issues. And one of the things he says is that the devil wants to convince us that any bad emotion is real, but that any good emotion is unreal. <laughs> you know, when we're depressed, we think, oh, this is real. This is reality. Reality is horrible. I'm miserable. Why is that more real than, oh, look, a deer, a sign of God's love for me, like the deer that longs for running streams. Why is a good feeling unreal is just a feeling but a bad feeling oh that's a perception into reality you know that that uh, no i i think the lord the lord if we're ready to listen the lord speaks constantly i bet every time you've asked to see a deer there's been a deer there just didn't notice so no it is not wrong to ask for a sign if god does not give one well then he doesn't give one uh, maybe uh, let me share uh, uh, a story from my own life if you wouldn't mind I, my parents are both gone and they've been gone for quite a few years and um, I, I was gifted with wonderful parents and you know it's kind of was, would be kind of nice when I dream about mom and dad it, it, rare but occasional I dream about mom and dad and I was kind of missing the folks and I said to the Lord oh I'd love to have a dream about about mom and dad and I slept like a rock didn't dream a thing that I remember I said, well okay you know Lord didn't see fit to send a sign well I went to school I was teaching then and I came back to the rectory the secretary came up to me and said this came for you and handed me a letter from my brother-in-law my former brother-in-law a bad divorce in the family and uh, but he was always good uh, to the family uh, he had was cleaning out things and he, he sent this to me I opened it up it was a picture of me when I was newly ordained one giving communion to my mother one giving communion to my father I call them my postcards from heaven in other words I wanted a certain sign and God gave me a better one so even when God doesn't give you the sign you've asked for he may have something better in store and you don't agonize over it you don't you don't say well what's the sign I didn't see this no we live by faith uh, uh, and not by sight as the as the scriptures and the songs say but the Lord does send us signs and if we are open to them we can hear the Holy Spirit speaking so if the Lord doesn't give you the sign you ask when you ask it say thank you I will wait for something better does how's that sound sounds great to me father um, yeah yeah I, I think I, we I, lost I, her yeah well yep but, long but, uh, sermons tend to drive people away but <laughs> anyway, yeah, that was a, that was such a blessing to me when I got those postcards yeah but those yeah. pictures yeah, right. it was really cool.
Well, I think it's a I think it's a good uh, it's a good illustration of the many ways that uh, that God, and specifically through the action of the Holy Spirit, does encourage us and give us consolations. Um, but specifically, one of the things that we do um, know, perhaps in a little bit more detail from both Scripture and tradition, is about these gifts of the Holy Spirit. So that's mm-hmm. one of the things mm-hmm. that you know, it's been said that God will never be outdone in generosity. And so I expect yeah. that these gifts are are pretty pretty good gifts. Why don't you tell us a little bit about the gifts of the Holy Spirit, Father? Oh dear. Oh dear, that's <laughs> controversial. Because oh, well. the gifts of the Holy Spirit the gifts of the Holy now this I that this is another harebrained this isn't even a theory. This is Bible. There are seven gifts of the Holy Spirit. Um uh, the the gifts of the Holy Spirit are wisdom, understanding, counsel, fortitude, which is the same as courage, knowledge. It's a gift of knowledge uh, uh, in which we understand the things of God. Piety, which is which is uh, devotion to the the Lord and His Church, and fear of the Lord. So, wisdom, understanding, counsel, fortitude, knowledge, piety, fear of the Lord. I thought the gifts of the Holy, were speak, Holy Spirit were speaking in tongues, the word of knowledge, uh, 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 prophecy. No, 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 no. If you if you read the text, those are among the gifts. There are things called the charisms, which is very general. The ability to walk. While chewing gum is a charism, you know, a charism just means a gift freely given. But more specifically, those what we call what people sometimes call the extraordinary gifts of the Holy Spirit, which I shouldn't be extraordinary. They're they're a gift of the life of the church. Those are called the manifestations of the Holy Spirit. That's what the word is in Greek, the manifestations of the Holy Spirit. And St. Paul says the manifestation of the Holy Spirit is given to each for the good of the church. In the old Pentecostal movement and the charismatic renewal, most of us thought that we got the gifts of the Holy Spirit so we could feel goosebumps and it would prove that the Holy Spirit was inside of us. Mm-hmm. Doesn't prove a thing except God is generous to sinners like me. Mm-hmm. But the, the manifestations of the Holy Spirit uh, and, and uh, the gifts of the Holy Spirit are many, but the seven specific gifts are, are, are wisdom, understanding, counsel, fortitude, knowledge, piety, and fear of the Lord. The others are called uh, uh, the manifestations, which that just confuses everyone, doesn't it? But that's what the Bible says. <laughs> very good, very good. Our, our spiritual director today, if you don't recognize his voice, is Father Richard Simon, host of Father Simon Says, Monday through Friday at 1 p.m. Central here on Relevant Radio and on the Relevant Radio app. Uh, so grateful he's joining us today as we're talking about Pentecost, we're talking about Mary and Pentecost, we're talking about the gifts of the Holy Spirit and Pentecost. It's all about Pentecost. So if you have things to share or to ask Father, give us a call, join the conversation, 888-914-9149, 888-914-9149. We are going to take another short break, but we'll be back right after this. Stay with us. This hour sponsored by Ave Maria Mutual Funds, where financial goals are aligned with pro-life values and fund decisions are based on investment fundamentals designed to preserve and grow wealth without violating moral beliefs. More information at AveMariaFunds.com. Holy Spirit dwelling inside. Welcome back to the Inner Life here 
Relevant Radio. My name is Patrick Conley, sitting in for Josh Raymond today. And we got Thomas Engesser, who is producing the show for us today, along with Maggie Rochelle, who's taking your phone calls. And our spiritual director today is none other than Father Richard Simon, host of Father Simon Says, which airs live Monday through Friday, 1 p.m. Central, right here on Relevant Radio and on the Relevant Radio app. And uh, as the rejoin music there might have might have cued you in, if you're just joining us, we are talking about... We are talking about Pentecost. We are talking about the Holy Spirit, the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And uh, you were just, uh, you just were perhaps dropping a few bombs out there, Father, and in terms of uh, <laughs> uh, to see what happens. But um, when we're talking about the gifts of the Holy Spirit, you're saying that the, the seven, the traditional seven gifts of the Holy Spirit are what we're talking about. Um, and then specifically, you were calling the charisms as manifestations of the Spirit. Have I got that right? Yes, manifestations. Right. Okay. Uh, to each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. Yeah. That's First Corinthians twelve seven. Yeah, there you go. Okay, wonderful. There, so, it's in the Bible. Big <laughs> <laughs> Very good. So that being the case, Father, um, you know, charisms, obviously the word is related to charismatic, and we, we have, mm-hmm. you know, the Catholic charismatic renewal, which is, um, yep, is a vibrant part of our Catholic, of the Catholic Church. Um, you want to say a few things about the, or how is the, what's the connection oh, there? Oh, I could. I, I, I could count myself as one of the founders of the whole deal. I was baptized in the Holy Spirit in 1968 when I was but 18. And the thing went off the wheels pretty quick, off the rails pretty quickly, because uh, most priests refused to pastor it. And so it had, you know, there were all sorts of Pentecostal ministers and storefront uh, preachers who loved to jump in there and do it. And so um, it, it, I think of the Pentecostal movement, which is really what I, or the Pentecost, I don't know what to call it. Well, let's call it the charismatic renewal because that's what he, everybody calls it. I think it has, it's a very Catholic spirituality. Mm. It believes that, that, that God speaks now which classical Protestantism believes God spoke in the Bible and doesn't need to speak now. Mm. But it absorbed, um, essentially it absorbed a, a Protestant or a Congregationalist ecclesiology that that um, feeling is very important and, uh, uh, you know, this, this kind of uh, voting on the truth is very important. Um, I think we're a profoundly Congregationalist country. Uh, the founders of the North, at least, um, were followers of John Calvin, and uh, we absorbed it. And we wanted things, you know, a feeling was very important. In the, in the American colonies, unless you were a member of the congregation, you had no civil rights. And so uh, how did you prove that you were, you were saved? I felt it. You know, I've had this feeling. Oh, you're in like Flynn. You got rights now. You got to obey the rules, but you got civil rights. And this idea of proving that you're among the elect was very important in in colonial America, and very important still. And so, in Protestant theology, Protestant Pentecostal theology, the manifestation of the Holy Spirit, particularly speaking in tongues, is evidence that you are saved, and among the elect. 
And that's crazy. It's not, it's not for that. Uh, the gifts of the Holy Spirit aren't to prove anything. They're to, a gift to the church. We see that in the readings from Scripture these days, that, that the prophets are telling Paul, this is what's going to happen. Be ready for it. Um, it's a gift to the church. And, and strictly speaking, you know, uh, the word for manifestation in Greek is phonorosis. It sounds like a medical condition. <laughs> you know, we, how do you make a movement out of that? And uh-huh. uh, I, I think the thing that's important isn't that Pentecost has a movement going. Uh, the important thing is that Pentecost is the birthright of the church. And, and you don't have to join a movement. Uh, if, if it is a blessing to you, find a good prayer group that's, that's got good theology and good ecclesiology, fine. But you don't have to join a movement. You have to ask yourself, what is my relationship to the Holy Spirit? Mm-hmm. A person is someone with whom you speak and who speaks to you. The Father and the Son, okay, but the Holy Spirit? And I, I would ask our, our listeners, do you have a relationship to the Holy Spirit? That's what Pentecost is about, the relationship mm-hmm. to the Holy Spirit. And that's very real and very important. Amen to that. I think uh, following right along these lines, we've got Kathy who's calling in from Southern California, and uh, she's got a question along these lines. So, Kathy, welcome to The Inner Life. Thank you. Appreciate your speaking with me. Father, you just on the nose. That was my question. I've belonged to and been involved with um, the renewal you know, mm-hmm. group since probably four decades how do you yeah. know when you've received those gifts? And how do you know that those gifts are not just you I- intending them? How do you recognize? Because if you don't have the, I, I still doubt that I have sure. tongues of any sort yeah. or my own prayer tongue. Yeah. So yeah, what's, what's, you know, what's how the do you know? <laughs> exactly. You know, well, <laughs> I, you don't. That's the important thing. St. Paul says in his first letter to the Corinthians, we prophesy in part and we know in part. It's always going to be part me and part God. You want to get it to where it's 99% God and 1% you. Usually it's 90%, 99% you and 1% God. But, but what you, you know, I think the scriptures also are very clear that every word is confirmed by two or three witnesses. What's the effect in your life? Does this, does this make you more Christ-like? Remember, the purpose of our conversion isn't that, that we should have these manifestations of the Spirit unless God wants to use us. The purpose of our life are the fruits of the Holy Spirit in Galatians, the fifth chapter, and it will expand it on in the Catechism. Love, peace, patience, joy. Are these things making you more loving, more peaceful, more patient, more joyful, more more devoted to the Lord and to his character? Uh, are they tra- are these are these manifestations transforming you into into the image of Christ? That's what you're going for, and that's pretty pretty objective. You know, I don't have sacrificial love. I don't have patience. You know, I gotta I gotta spend more time in prayer and more time uh, letting the Lord transform me. So, if you understand the goal, the goal are the fruits of the Holy Spirit, and the vehicle of 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 our service, our ministry are these manifestations. How do I use them? Do I use them lovingly? Am I just babbling in Babylonian because I want to get a good feeling? Or am I really interceding for someone in prayer? Am I devoting my, my life of prayer to intercession and for the, the enrichment of the church and for those I love? Does that help a little? Oh my gosh, yes. So it's less about what you're seeing and more about what you're doing or what you're how doing, your life has yes. changed, and what yeah, you're presenting, yeah. you know, the Christianity yeah. that you're presenting to the world. Yes, yes, Thank it's you. not about Appreciate what you that. feel. 
You know, the charismatic renewal, what we wanted was spontaneous masses and structured prayer meetings, you know, that, that, that we'd have a conference and then only, only the, the approved prophets could speak. And boy, the approved prophets usually said nothing worth hearing. You know, I, the, the manifestation of prophecy is a wonderful spiritual gift. When you have a, a friend who is praying for you and says, you know, I was praying for you, brother, and the Lord told me this. I don't know if it's from the Lord, but, you know, we don't use the gift of prophecy the way we're supposed to. And it's wonderful. I, I got a good friend who's a prophet. And when she calls me, I think, oh, dear, what have I done now, Lord? <laughs> you know, she's always on spot. And she can say, Father Rich, I was praying for you. And the Lord said that, you know, what you're worrying about, don't worry about it because it's not from him. And I think, oh, darn. So, you know, that the, those are useful things. Every priest should know a few people who are genuine prophets. But, yeah. you know, it's, 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 it's a real gift to the church, but we don't look at it that way. We look at it as this movement, experience, and join it. And meh, meh. So, yeah. well, thanks for calling in. Thanks for yeah, calling thank in. Yeah, thank you, Kathy. Thanks for calling in. And, um, Father, you know, we're, uh, I, I love the emphasis that you put on the, the fruits of the Spirit, that that's the end goal, and that's what we're looking yeah. for there. Yeah, it's very good. Well, Father, we're, we're starting to, uh, we have begun our descent <laughs> into the end oh, of the darn. show. Um, but I did want to ask one quick question. Maybe you sure. got, uh, I don't know, a minute or a little bit more to answer this one. But um, what exactly, you, you talked about, you, you would ask our, the listeners, you know, what is your relationship with the Holy Spirit? So maybe one or two practical suggestions. How can we grow in our relationship with the Holy Spirit, Father? <sighs> To pray to the Holy Spirit. <laughs> I mean, the, the, I always start my show with, Come Holy Spirit, fill the hearts of your faith. Lots of different prayers to the Holy Spirit, different versions of it. Say the prayer to the Holy Spirit regularly. When you get up in the morning, make your morning offering, and then say, Holy Spirit, welcome into my day, whatever you want. Mm -hmm. To treat the Holy Spirit like a person, because the Holy Spirit is a person, the third person of the Blessed Trinity. To treat the Spirit, the Holy Spirit like a person. To ask the Holy Spirit to to, to guide and to lead, uh, I, I, you know, so few of us actually pray to the Holy Spirit, you know, and we should. Um, I remember hearing sort of a minister who wondered why his ministry wasn't happening, and he dreamt that he was taken up to the throne of God, and he he said to the Father, "I have I, I've accepted Jesus, your Son, and I have the experience of the Holy Spirit." And the Father rose up from the throne and shook him, lifted him up by the lapels, and shook him and said, "My Holy Spirit is not an experience. My Holy Spirit is a person. Treat him like one." Mm -hmm. And put him down. He woke up, and since then his ministry exploded because mm -hmm. he started to treat the Holy Spirit as a person. If you got so anything to say to me, Holy Spirit, I'm listening. Yeah. Oh, yeah. so good. So good, Father. Well, Father Richard Simon uh, has been our spiritual director today here on The Inner Life. Father, could we get your blessing, please, as we close the sure. show? Heavenly Father, I ask you to pour out the Holy Spirit on all our listeners on this Pentecost and pour out your Holy Spirit on the church. We pray with, with St. John the 23rd. Um, may we have a Pentecost in our times like that at the beginning. May Almighty God bless all of you, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Father Richard Simon has been our spiritual director today. Tune back in at 1 p.m. and hear him again on Father Simon Says, 1 p.m. Central, that is, uh, either on your local relevant radio uh, station or on the relevant radio app. So grateful that you joined us here on The Inner Life. Stay tuned now for the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass, the, the liturgy in which Christ makes himself most present here in this world today. Thanks for listening to The Inner Life. We'll see you again tomorrow. Take care. God bless.